You know, you have always been very special to me. I've never met you before, but uh, as a broadcaster, and then you've, of course, gone in, on to acting, but you, you're a person, you bounce back and forth from one thing to the other, and I admire that so very much. Oh, Bobby, that's luck. That's just wonderful, because I happened to start when television started, and uh, you just did, if you could hold still in front of a camera, they'd say, oh, wonderful, you're in television, and then about two years later, they started giving you $5 a program. You know, so, but it's been such a wonderful thing through the years to be able to switch when one thing begins to dry up and you go to another. I started as an actress in a in situation comedy, but that went away for a long time when I was doing games and became a quote personality and commercials and parades and stuff. But then it came as a surprise when the Mary Tyler Moore show came along and people said, oh, and she can act. So it's a lovely way to just wind your way through the industry. Audio courtesy the Bobby Wygant Archive, bobbywygant.com, or the Bobby Wygant Archive channel on YouTube. Hi, this is Vicki Lawrence, and you are listening to TV Confidential. Joining us now is our friend Jeffrey Mark. Jeffrey Mark, Emmy Award-winning, Grammy-nominated writer, producer, performer, author, music and TV historian, showbiz raconteur, and radio host. Jeff's new show, Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella, available wherever podcasts are found. Jeffrey Mark, also the author of many books, including biographies of Ella Fitzgerald and Ethel Merman, as well as the forthcoming new Lucy book. If memory serves, Jeff, you first cross paths with Betty White by way of Ed Asner. That is very true. I was writing and producing a documentary about the Mary Tyler Moore show. And dear Ed Asner, who is everybody in show business's best friend he always was in there pitching to help people and I, I interviewed him and he was i guess impressed and he said well who else do you need and i said well betty white is not easy to get he said done in that voice of his done <laughs> and uh, very soon thereafter i found myself because of ed double dipping meaning that in one day i was interviewing so i i and a camera crew went to interview cloris leachman in the morning and betty white in the afternoon one of the strangest days in my career and if i remember correctly it was strange not because of betty not because of ed but because cloris is cloris and cloris was an original in every sense of the word cloris was a delightful human being we were friends but Cloris had to be the center of attention. And Cloris knew that I was going to go interview Betty after her. So Cloris, to make a very long story short, did everything she could to keep me there at her house to make sure that I'd be late for Betty. It was just how she was built. And someday when we talk about Cloris, we'll go into how she took off all of her clothes from my crew. <laughs> But, and, how my, and how my cameraman followed her into the bedroom, and I had to grab him by his belt. And I said, not for what I'm paying you an hour, you're not. And that's another conversation. That is another conversation. And in contrast, I've never had a chance to talk to Betty White, but from what I've learned about her from talking to people such as you, is that 
Um, she took days such as the day when you interviewed her and were late for reasons that were well beyond your control. She took that in stride because she took everything in stride because she was a total professional and there wasn't any, any situation that, that uh, came across her desk that she hadn't faced before. Yes, she was a total pro. That's the best description of Betty other than that she was enormously talented. But maybe that's why she worked for so many years. Such a professional. Nothing through her. And you, you, couldn't, you couldn't even throw bad language at her or nothing through her. She was there to work, and that was that. But I finally got to our studios where we were about to interview Betty. And she was in makeup and hair. I had sent the entire crew back to our studios to be ready for her. Now, please know, to be a total professional as a producer, you're always there to greet when big stars come to play with you. I wasn't there. I felt terrible. Out of breath, I'm running up to her. I was like, Betty, I'm so sorry. But I was with Cloris Leachman and, and Betty said, is she still pulling that? <laughs> when, we were back, when we were back on the Mary Tyler Moore show, she kept everybody waiting. And when we tried to film things, all of a sudden she'd do new things we never saw before. We have to retake things. She's, but boy, is she talented. But boy, boy, is she still doing this? And then she called her a name that I won't mention. Uh, she meant it uh, in a humorous vein, but it's usually a word used by um, veterinarians. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Mark is with us, sharing a few memories of Betty White, Betty White Television, Icon Television Institution, passed away New Year's Eve at the age of 99. I'm sure, like so many of us, Look, 99 is a long run for everybody, but like so many of us, I wanted her to reach 100. It reminds me of what was said about Jack Benny when he died, that uh, the real Jack Benny was not stingy. He was very, very generous. They said, yeah, but, but even here he's been stingy. He didn't give us enough years. <laughs> Yes, if, if she just hung on another 17 days, another two and a half weeks, I mean, everyone would have been happy. But, but you know, she, she, she went when she was ready, and she went, as I understand, she went in her sleep. You cannot ask her anything more. No. It, it was such a delight working with her because when you're doing documentaries and you're the producer and you're also the field producer – the guy who's with the crew, who's asking the questions off camera. You're basically directing the person. Mm -hmm. So I got to direct Betty White. What was interesting was the man who owned the company came in and kind of cut me off at the knees. You know, if Jeffrey Mark doesn't take good care of you, you come to me and let me know, and I'll make sure that you get what you need. And Betty waited till he left, and then... Another name I won't use, but she referred to him as a, a part of a person's body and uh, laughed to reassure me that she didn't feel that way. She was very particular about how her hair was done, about how her makeup was put on. She had to put on her own eyebrows. She had to approve the eyelashes. She had to approve the lighting. And I don't blame her. She should have. 
the cameraman I was working with, the same guy who wanted to go in Cloris's bedroom, mm-hmm. so it's the same crew, she asked not to be lit from behind. Betty's hair was a little thin. Mm-hmm. It's why her hair was always so bouffant, because it was thin. It was always that way. And he started to argue with her about his lighting. And I said, this is Betty White. She's doing us a favor. She's not getting paid. She is a legend. She has Emmys. You don't do as you're told. And she smiled at me, a great big smile. The other thing I think that was notable about that day, she was ready to give you any kind of an interview you needed. So she talked about the show and the people on the show. And then I asked her about Alan. And you're like, why do you need to know about him? The sweetness <laughs> completely went away. Yeah. I said, Betty, we might do a show about passwords someday. And if we do, you won't have to come back. If we get everything right now, we won't have to bother you again. Oh, okay. And then this great big smile on her face. All of a sudden, you could hear the angels singing, Oh, my, Alan. She was able to, even in interviews, not just be a pro, but be an actor. Because depending on what I asked her, a different part of Betty came out. She knew exactly what to deliver. And after we were done and she thanked me, I said, no, 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 I thank you. And I walked her to her car and she, she the car she normally drove was in the shop. And she had this ancient Cadillac that Alan had given her. And she said, this is what I drive when I can. I almost look for excuses to not drive the other car. (laughs) And it was this enormous boat of a car from like the 70s. And uh, I said, Betty, do you want me to help you get out of this? He said, oh, no, no. I've been driving this for so long. I know exactly how to do this. She made the entire experience a total joy. She made me feel as a producer and director that I knew what I was doing Mm -hmm. and that she was appreciative that I knew what I want. I knew I wanted to get there. And because I knew what I wanted, it was very low strain on her to give it. And she appreciated that. That is my Betty White story. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Jeffrey Mark is with us sharing a few memories of Betty White. Betty White television icon passed away December 31st at age 99, you tell the story about she was extraordinary, easy to work with once she laid out you know, the two or three things she was particular about, and you mentioned her hair. A couple years ago, I spoke with uh, Diana Eden, costume designer, worked with Betty on a couple of projects. She had similar, her experience was similar. Betty had one or two particular demands, not, not necessarily about her costume, but her time there was limited. And Diane made sure that everything was ready and, and that her time was not wasted. And Betty, as she did with you, thanked Diana Eden for recognizing her needs and taking care of her. And once, once that was done, you know, she was like Play-Doh in her hands. In the big picture of show business, we're talking about ladies like Betty White. We always have to remember how, how difficult it was to be a woman in show business I mean, difficult to be a woman, period. But Betty got started in television in the 40s and radio before that. How difficult it was to be a leader. Betty was a producer very early on. She was a star of her own show very early on. And one of the reasons she lasted is that Betty knew how to take care of Betty. A lot of these ladies, we've talked before about Lucille Ball or Ethel Merman, they weren't difficult. 
they knew what they needed to be excellent. Betty knew what she needed to be excellent. And if you understood that and helped her, she was your best friend in a show. It's when people thought they knew better than she, which is ridiculous. I've been in show business now 48 years. Mm -hmm. Very few people out there know how to give a better Jeffrey Mark than I do. I know what I need to be excellent. So did she. And wise producers and writers and directors and other actors recognize that, respect it, and give what she needs. I, I think that's a brilliant, a brilliant way to have a long career. You know what you need to be excellent, and you try to be excellent every single time you perform. Our mutual friend, Ruta Lee, had this to say about Betty White. We have lost a great friend, a great dame. That quote from Ruta Lee, courtesy of Harlan Bull. Betty was one of those women who was able to be, and Ruta Lee is also one of these, a great lady and a great dame at the same time. My, my dear darling Dawn Wells was the same way. There are women out there who are great broads. Uh, Lauren Bacall was one, Betty Bacall. A broad, not meaning that they're loose or sluts, meaning they had a good sense of self. They didn't need to chastise or blame other people. They went along for the ride. They understood the joke. They laughed at themselves, and they were a lot of fun to be around. And Betty White was a lady and a great broad. Lucy Arnaz, your dear friend, also is touching on many things we've been talking about. She described Betty White as one of the great dames, sassy, sexy, super smart. And as we just mentioned, she knew what she needed to do. And as long as you understood that, she would give you whatever you needed. That quote from Lucy Arnaz about Betty White, also courtesy Harlan Bull. There's a word we haven't used yet that I think fits Betty well. She was savvy. S-A-V-V-Y, a word we don't hear very much. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe it is a contraction of the French term savoir-faire. I didn't know that, but that makes, so much, of, that makes so much sense. You have I an understanding of how something is done. Yeah. You have savoir-faire. Betty understood it. Betty understood television. I think the only other woman who understood television as well as Betty or perhaps a little better was Lucille Ball. Because they not only acted, they produced, they helped to direct, they helped to carve their own image because they knew what they needed to be excellent. Betty had that savvy. And like Miss Ball, she was a very intelligent person. Uh, Miss Ball was not as educated as Betty was, but the native intelligence is there. You can't have careers in show business this long and be a dumbbell. It just doesn't happen. I don't care how pretty you are or how handsome you are or how large your bust is or your biceps are. If there isn't an intelligence that goes with the talent, the talent doesn't go very far. And Betty was smart and smart about having talent. That's an important sentence. There are a lot of people out there who have talent but don't know how to handle the talent, don't know how to nurture the talent or make it happen. Betty was smart about having talent. What couldn't she do that she wanted to do? Because she did it all with excellence. 
There's one more quote I want to work in, and it touches on something you just said about being smart, having talent. Joyce Bullifant, one of your neighbors in the desert, uh, she had this to say about Betty White. Betty was the best. She said that when I tell a joke, when I, Joyce, tell a naughty joke, it sounds like a nursery rhyme, and that gave me permission to tell naughty jokes. That quote from Joyce Bullifant, also courtesy Harlan Bull. Betty, it's, it's funny you mentioned Joyce and Betty. Because they are both very earthy women mm-hmm. in their private lives. Uh, Joyce and Betty know all the words. But when Joyce says them, because of her demeanor, because of her little girlish voice, it almost sounds like if she says something naughty that she doesn't understand what she's saying. Like listening to a little girl have a blue word come out of her mouth. When Betty said shoot, just by the way she said it, we heard a different word in our ears. Yes. Betty was able to infer a double entendre better than anyone I've ever met. Jeffrey Mark is with us sharing a few memories of television icon Betty White. Betty White passed away Friday, December 31st at the age of 99. Jeff, any final thoughts about Betty that you'd like to share with our listeners? I will tell you a story about Betty's home that almost nobody knows. When Betty and Alan Ludden, her husband, had to leave New York because all the work became available on the West Coast, they had to buy a house. They sold their home back in New York and they were looking for a home. And Betty is the one looking at the houses. And she goes to the home, which she eventually bought, and she sees a wonderful character actor, Elvia Allman, there. Betty had worked with Elvia on countless sitcoms, on certainly on radio. And Betty said to Elvia, are, are you looking at this house too? And Elvia said, Betty, I don't make enough money as an actor to live. I also sell real estate. I'm your real estate agent. So Betty bought the house she and Ellen lived in and the house she lived in until she died from character actor Elvia Allman. Uh, radio people, who is Elvia Allman? I know she is. She did a lot of Perry Mason. She was sort of a short, wattish kind of El- person with a kind of a with kind of a scrunched up face, but a great character actor. I will give you Elvia Allman in three words. Think I love Lucy. Think Chocolate Factory. Mm-hmm. Think Letter <laughs> She was Kate Bradley's nemesis on Petticoat Junction. She was Granny's nemesis on the Beverly Hillbillies. So that kind of an actor. And she worked. She probably, Elvia probably did five or six or seven sitcoms a year. But even if she was paid a couple thousand for each, that wasn't enough to have a comfortable life. So she worked as a real estate person. As many actors did in between jobs when the phone didn't ring back in the day. Any final thoughts about Betty White that you'd like to share with our listeners? I don't think we're going to see another Betty White in show business. I don't think there are women out there now who have the work ethic, the savvy, the talent, the intellect, and the staying power. Betty worked. Sometimes she was a star of a show. Sometimes she was a guest star on a show. Sometimes she sat on a panel on a talk show. 
Sometimes she sat on a panel on a game show. Sometimes she was selling four enough, uh, Formula 409 or Fantastic or some kitchen thing on a commercial. She didn't care. She worked. She kept working. And the star stuff came and went and came and went. But Betty stayed. Try and find another actor who has that kind of confidence and ego. I don't think we'll see another one again. Jeffrey Mark is the author of the forthcoming new Lucy book, Everything You Want to Know About Lucy's Radio, Television, Film, and Stage Career. His podcast, Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella, available wherever podcasts are found. Uh, Jeff, thanks for joining us today. Always a pleasure to be with you, sir. We'll continue our tribute to Betty White on the other side of the break. We will hear from Golden Girls historian Jim Colucci, Mary Tyler Moore historian Jennifer Armstrong, and entertainment journalist Ray Richmond. Ray is the author of the very last biography of Betty White that was published while she was still with us. All that and more, we continue our special tribute to Betty White. We come back for hour number two of TV Confidential. Stay with us. One more item. If you love Ella Fitzgerald, our friend Jeffrey Mark celebrates the music of the First Lady of Song every week on Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella. You can hear Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you find podcasts. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at tvconfidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.